Hello and welcome to week two, day five of the Death of a Thousand Cuts eight week couch to 80k writing bootcamp. As you can hear, we're indoors today. I think you've got my point about writing in different locations. I don't need to continue to go to increasingly uncomfortable places and sit in the rain and do that. Um, But, you know, you can get the idea. It can shake up your writing and get you out of ruts and refresh your habits. Now, um, just a heads up, uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to dig out that list of names we did uh, right back at the beginning, week one, day one. So um, you might want to be uh, looking on your laptop or in your notebook to get that ready now. Um, now, the exercises we've been doing the past few days, free writes, or as they're sometimes called, automatic writing, they can be useful, they can be fun, but they're probably insufficient on their own. Um, what they do really well is capture stylistic rawness. They encourage accidents where words you'd never thought of putting together collide. They don't give you time to hold back. They give you a bit of insight into what's on your mind. On the other hand, when your back's to the wall and you're trying to hammer out those words, you'll often find yourself falling back on cliche. Your sentences will roll on and on or break off or switch direction. You'll forget what you were talking about. And I, I just don't think that is sustainable over an entire novel. Um, if you go online, you'll find lots of articles and videos about how to write 5,000 words in a day or how to write 10,000 words in a day. And, and they basically boil down to have a chapter plan, focus on word count, do not stop, don't filter. It's like free writing, right? And I think that that is the dark side of this technique, right? That's instead of using it as this disruptive, subversive tool for cracking open your subconscious and letting your imagination run riot, about celebrating originality regardless of quality, about really freeing yourself and allowing you to play, um, it becomes this horrendous production line where you shackle your creative mind to the desk and cry, write for me, make the magic happen. And it, and it farts out this insipid gruel of the shallowest, shittest, most perfunctory prose you can imagine. Because most of the time, free writes are bad, but they're interestingly bad. They're disaster pieces. Bad in the way experiments in an evil scientist's lab are bad. I, I realise, having taught you this technique while warning you not to let it sway you towards darkness, that tradition obliges you to slay me in single combat as your sensei. The old man was weak. He refused to claim the true power of the free right. If, if you could make your free-wheeling, unfettered mind right in 14-hour stretches and maintain that density of ideas and invention, good for you. Maybe you'll write a truly fascinating experimental novel that fizzes with playfulness and isn't especially bothered with plot, but still manages to dazzle and surprise. I've read books like that. I'm not saying they don't exist. I don't... I'm not advocating that you have to go for conventionally plotted, conventionally constructed novels at all. They're really cool. But even those books, ones that read like a free write writ large, I suspect actually they were written quite slowly and with a lot of editing. Um, Michael Moorcock said he wrote the history of the Runestaff books at a rate of 15,000 words a day. Um, you can even find his advice online for how to write at that speed. It certainly sounds impressive until you read the novels it produced. I, I've, I've got them up on my, my shelf up there uh, and I did. I've, I've, I've finished all of them. So that says something in itself. You know, they are readable, but, you know, I read them and I was like, 
Oh yeah, I can see how he wrote this in 15,000 words a day because the plot is paper thin and repetitious. The characters are two dimensional. They're always getting cornered by the enemies and then you're this like, how will we get out of this? And then the enemies tie them up and then they wriggle out of their bonds like multiple times in the story. The dialogue is bad and the world is lightly sketched and the plot twists are preposterous and it doesn't really build on itself. It, it's just rote formula writing. The, he admits in his own guide he was kind of winging it and bullshitting. And he's got quite gleefully, uh, you know, confesses to that. He wanted to make money and he had to write some books quickly. And lots of people enjoy those books. I'm not, you know, I, I'm always reluctant to start like slagging off published writers uh, on the uh, on the podcast because it sounds like I'm being bitter because Michael Moorcock is really successful. I'm not. I just think, you know, in some ways they're the people who it's best to be uh, able to be critical of and engage with because it doesn't really hurt them and it doesn't matter. Um, I just think, look, your imagination is both silly and holy. It, it may very well be the weirdest, most complex, most utterly unnecessary thing in our entire universe. In all, in all, ex just in all existence. Just think about it like it, it there's, there might be no need for it. And it's just bubbled up randomly. And, and I just think, given that possibility, let's, at a minimum, treat our imaginations with the sort of respect with which you'd treat your favourite Pokemon. You wouldn't be like, oh shit, I think I can force this Machamp to work 14 hour shifts relabeling parcels so I can run a drop shipping business from my house. You, you, you bond with your Marchamp. You'd hang out. You'd let them rest. You'd train them. And when it came to a trainer battle, you'd urge them not to hold back unless you're some kind of monster. Look, I, unfortunately, Pokemon aren't real, but your imagination is. And, and, and we, we're going to unlock other modes of working as the weeks progress is what I'm getting at. We're going to learn the subtle pleasures of, of refinement, of writing more slowly, of, of beefing up a piece and making something that was uh, or OK feel rich and engaging. And, you know, like the stuff you read that has made you want to do this stupid story writing thing in the first place. Anyway, look, enough of talk. I've gone on for ages as per usual. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. For today, we're going to adapt the free writing technique um, and, and, and modulate it. I'm going to give it a little bit of a twist so we can find another area that you might be able to use it in now you've had some practice. Um, so I'd like you to go back to your list of names from day one. Remember that? <laughs> My sweet summer child, how we've grown. How we've grown. Um, I'd like you to look back through that list and, and just pick a name. That's all we're using it for. Uh, I think one will probably stand out to you. A, a little voice inside your head's probably going to tell you which to pick. Don't ignore that voice. Part of what we're doing over these eight weeks is also learning to listen to our gut feelings and intuition, which we all, all so often uh, suppress as writers, I think, um, especially when we want to just sit down and follow an idea. Um, so just go with whatever your first instinct was if you can't find the list for whatever reason because you haven't listened to me because you were too fucking blasé to follow my instructions and the first podcast no i'm joking um then you could just make one up just pause and spend a moment to make up a a name uh i'm, I'm like when i say make up a name i don't mean like calling a character blargathy farto uh you don't have to literally make up a name and the actual name um i just mean don't call them like Jeremy Clarkson. We, <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson 
which I believe has the same stress pattern as Blargathy Farto. Because <laughs> I think Blargathy Farto, I'd much rather be mates with Blargathy Farto than Jeremy Clarkson. He is, I think his true form is Blargathy Farto. That's his, that's his ultimate God mode. Um, sorry. Yeah, you can, you can have, if, if, if at the moment you're now, a, t- a single tear is running down your face because your intuition picked the name off your list, Blargathy Farto, or Jeremy Clarkson, if either of those, if you thought you'd come up with that name, I'm sorry. And we're looking for a, a fictional person. First and last name, ideally. Um, it doesn't matter if you've made up the name, by the way, if they're like, it's a fantasy name. I was just, you know, saying you don't have to make up the name. Right. So write that name down. Uh, as a title at the top of a fresh page. Uh, This is the person who is going to be doing the writing today. Not you, them. Um, They're going to be writing a letter. Now, I'd like you to go back to that list of names and pick a second name. I say pick, just find one, doesn't matter which one. This is going to be the person they're writing the letter to. So it's going to start dear and then that name. You know how letters work. So um, the first person you picked is the letter writer. And the second is the person they're writing it to. Got that? And the one thing you need to know is uh, this letter has a very strong emotion attached to it. It might not necessarily come out in what they write. They might be suppressing it as much as they can. But the writer um, has a very strong feeling as they're writing this. There's a really um, powerful emotion prompting them to write this letter to the second person. Could be love. Could be anger, could be fear, jealousy, hatred, approval. I don't think approval is an emotion, but that's fine. You know, Uh, lust. Uh, Who knows? You know what emotions are. Maybe not even uh, one of those, but we're going to find out, right? So I suggest you apply the free writing credo as you write this. I'm going to give you 10 minutes. Don't worry about quality, about spelling or punctuation, about straying off the point. This is a person in the throes of great emotion writing. Perhaps they'll meander off topic, break off mid-sentence, be blunt, inarticulate, cliched. All of that's great. It's human. It's what letter writers do. Your only job is to act as scribe for them as they tell you uh, what they want to say and they get what they need to communicate out there. Don't stop don't go back or cut stuff out let them speak if they fuck up then they might say i'm sorry and start again but let them speak uh don't get in their way i'm going to give you 10 minutes don't worry about reaching yours sincerely Uh, if you hit that point you just add a ps keep it flowing all right i'll let you know when your time's up are you ready to start go
And that's time. How did it go? What did your letter end up being about? What was the voice of the person writing the letter? How did that feel as a technique compared to the complete freedom of a normal free write? So have a chew on those things. Those were rhetorical questions if you're now answering them in your room. Um, well done for sticking with it this far and I'll see you for the last day of week two tomorrow. <laughs>